Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Yo, son! One F is life. It's not the one you should be underestimating. It is. Godzilla, King Kong, Loch Ness. We rap nerd now here, right? Like I can tell you were a nerd. It's primal. And that's raw. Carhartt girl. Speaking of sneaky big tits. Are you out there fucking? I'm doing that. <laughs> years ago, I bought a millionaire Brooklyn. Years ago. Years ago. Years ago. Cypher Sounds. Peter Rosenberg. One F is life. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Cypher Sounds is God knows where, but I am in the original Juan Epp room. I don't even know if you appreciate, first of all, my guest is TDE's own reason in the building. What's the deal? What's the deal? What's happening? Carson, right? Yes, Carson. Carson, California's own. Carson, California. Um, I don't even know if you know. This room right here, this is the Juan Epp original studio where the most legendary of legendaries have happened. I, I did not know that. We yeah. haven't done an episode in here in, I'm talking years ago. This is <laughs> this might be six, seven years ago, but this is where the Jay-Z interview happened. This is where so many classic moments happened. Anyways. Oh, that's fire. Happy to have you, bro. I'm happy to be here. I know the first time we met, it was a uh, quarantine. It was uh, a weird time. And yeah, it was just uh, the screen and whatnot. So Listen, I, I really like to pretend that it can be the exact same on the screen because <laughs> I love not having to do shit, but it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the yeah. same. It's not the same. Now you could, you could get there. Like if you yeah. already know someone really That's well, what I'm gonna say, if, the, if the rapport is there, you can kind of like, you know, because you guys have that history and whatnot. But if, if you don't know, first time meeting them, it's like, it, it feels, feels like a zoom date. Like it a, feels like a zoom. Yeah. Date. It feels like a zoom date. Yeah. Um, and that was your last album. That was my last album. What was the name 20, of the last album again? Uh, new beginnings. That was new beginnings. That was 2021. New beginnings. 2020. 2020. 2020. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also like time, time. What is time now? Yeah. yeah. The last few years fucked over time completely. So much. I still feel. I still like feel like we are literally owed a year. Like I think that anything that happened in that time, like I think everything should have stopped. The same way life stopped, 
rent and mortgage should have stopped. Like everything, in my opinion, if you have to pay your registration, don't got to pay it that year. I know because because you it all everyone lost out. You lost out, and you still had to pay for it. Like we didn't go anywhere, but you still got to pay for your registration. Now, what's let's talk about your what's your exact timeline? Uh, you you signed to TD in what eighteen? Um, I got announced in eighteen, so I signed in two thousand seventeen. Um, got announced officially, so that's usually like the official date that everybody has on there. Um, announced in two thousand eighteen in August, and then like right after that, went on tour with J Rock for my first joint. So I dropped my first project September two thousand eighteen. And I was right on the road after that. So, with yeah. J-Rock. With J-Rock. And then yeah. you dropped again in 20. And then I dropped again in 20. And now you're here in 23, dropping at the end of the month. Exactly. But I will say the first one didn't really count as an album because I dropped it before I was signed to the label. And Top wanted to put it out to show people why he signed me. So that was the project that he discovered me off of. We just literally just took it down, put a different reissue. album cover. It was a reissue. Album cover, yeah, different album cover on it right and back up. Yeah, yeah, literally. Just give people the brief version. Yeah. Of how Top Dog came to get on to what Reason was doing. Yeah, so um, uh, I was kind of rocking out in LA, just doing little shows, uh, throwing my own events and whatnot. And um, uh, Q's manager, his name was Keem, he ended up discovering me through a childhood friend. Um, I had through I was throwing my first headlining show, and um, I booked out the venue, did all that, um, and Keem. Being supportive, he bought 20 tickets and just brought a bunch of TD niggas there. And one of them happened to be Top Son, Musa. Shouts meet, to Musa. Yeah, meet Musa. About a month and a half later, meet Top, playing records for three hours. It looks like he hates all of them. Um, and then I leave that <laughs> night. Leave that night. Um, and then the next morning, he called me like, yo, you know, it's not official yet, but I think my pops want to sign you. And after that, it was over. You get into some of this on the album, sort of like the expectations and things that come with being TD. Yes. Like, I think we're now starting to get to a place finally of where TDE can be thought of as simply a label where different people exist in different ways. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you are TDE, you are not black hippie, (laughs) right? Like we've gotten to that place, but it took a while where it seemed like everyone who got signed the immediate questions are like, yeah, where's your Kendrick relationship? That, exactly. You know, now, of course, we're in the post-Kendrick TDE era, yeah, right? Yeah. So we're entering now a whole new situation. Yeah. But yeah, like, so I'm guessing it's a, it must be a, a real blessing. And by the way, just full disclosure, like, Top is one of my favorite people. Gotcha. You know, he's yeah. of, of important people in the industry. <laughs> I would say no one has been kinder or more appreciative or respectful of me than Top. Like yeah, he's, he's, he has a huge heart. I'll tell people that all the time. Top is like the biggest hearted dude that I've ever met, especially for somebody that's been so successful, has so much money. You and, know he's me, just, all the and he's just loyal. He's just like, loyal. Yeah. That, like yeah. I don't ever feel no matter what is happening in the world. Like top answers the phone. Yeah, like that's just yeah. kind of the kind of dude that he is. Yeah. But so I'm guessing with all the blessings of that though, yeah, there must there must have been periods over the last five years that were frustrating because people have made up expectations. Yes. People not only do they make up expectations, you know, T D fans are the the kings and queens of conspiracies. So they also tell me about this. Cause I don't yeah. really know. <laughs> I, I'm not in touch with the T D E fans like I used yeah, to be back yeah, in the day. Yeah. Nah, what what are they like? Yeah. It's, it, it's like Anything that is put out there, even remotely, they they take it and run with it. Um, I've had TDE fans tell me that I'm the reason that Kendrick Lamar isn't dropping, like, as if reason is that important to where if a Kendrick Lamar album isn't loaded up, you know what I mean? Reason is the reason. <laughs> yeah, reason is the, reason's the only reason. Reason is the only reason that Kendrick Lamar, you know what I mean, isn't dropping. And so you deal with those those pressures where you're putting your heart and soul into the music, and every single time you drop before people even listen, they're just like, okay, well, where's Kendrick? Where's Q? Where's Rock? And... 
you have to kind of like work through that and navigate that while still trying to remain, um, uh, I guess, uh, thankful and gracious. Like you have to still big up the ones that came before you, but then also try to navigate around people constantly shoving these big shadows, you know what I mean, in your face every single time that you're trying to put out some music, trying to put out some content, et cetera. Well, yeah, you don't want to ever like, you don't want to ever sound like you're shitting exactly. on them. Yeah. On yeah. either the artists or the fans. Yeah, exactly. Because you want to gain their support, but also sometimes you kind of want, might want to be like, yo, but get off my nuts. That's not what's yeah, happening. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, I don't care about like where's Kenny. I don't give a fuck. Right, that's not. Yeah, he's not. He's he's living his own life. He's living his, his own thing. life. Like, and uh, my projects aren't based on solely who I who else I can get that you're into. One thousand percent. And that's what it what it is. Like you know, with the TD, with the TD fan. Now the newer TD fans, they don't really operate that way. But like especially during the times like when I came in, I always tell people I feel like I came in at the the hardest part it was to be a new TD member because. Uh, Dot had been gone for years. SZA had been gone for years. Zay, don't even get me started. So it was constantly, where is this? Where is this? Where is oh, this? Oh, you mean how hot this? they were at that time? And not only how hot, but how missed they were. They hadn't been, dropped a project in years. Oh, so oh, when I'm oh, trying oh, to oh. promote, you know, or, or, you know, break in, every single thing is like, where is Zay? Like, you know, y'all pushing this new dude. Where's Kendrick? Y'all pushing this new dude. You haven't even gave us Q. You haven't even gave us Zay. Um, and I even used that going into my last project, New Beginnings. I was like, okay, well, let me make sure I put Q on my album. Let me make sure I put Soul on my album. Let me make sure I put Zay on my album. You know, so I had a record with him and uh, Zay and Jed and record with Q. Um, I had, I tried to get a dot verse, but I ended up only getting dot ad libs. Um, and so it was, it was frustrating, um, especially because people were asking you questions about these dudes. When I first got signed, Dot and Dave were kind of already out the door. The public just didn't know. Right. And so then you're having people like, where's your Dot verse? I'm like, well, Dot's not even really. But I can't tell you that. I he's can't, not exa- really. Exactly. It's not my place. Exactly. But and then not- you have the fans that's like, oh, you know, like, you know, Dot clearly doesn't, doesn't you know, co-sign for this dude. He doesn't have a Dot feature. I'm like, nah, he's just not TDE anymore. Right. You but you what don't what know that yet. But you don't so- know that yet. And I can't tell you, but I just have to, you know. I got to keep doing my shit. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And that must, um, did that ever add stress to the relationships with the artists themselves? or no it just stayed separate and it was kind of an annoyance but you didn't let it get in the way of how you personally interacted yeah. with everybody um it was it, it was definitely separate it wasn't like it, it um you know added stress on the relationships but then again there were also other relationships in the camp that just didn't exist like i did, I, I don't have a relationship with SZA but if i said if i said that at that time it would be looked at as like, oh my God, like, you know. Is there a problem? They, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, is there, and I'm like, I don't have a relationship with SZA. I don't really have a relationship with Q. It's, like, I, it's it's there. If I see him, it's cool, but I don't have a, I, I only at the time had a relationship with Soul Rock and Sir at the time. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you get these questions and whatnot, and it's just like, if you say it, it's going to be looked at as like, oh, it's it's a thing. Like TDE isn't, you know, they're they're not cool anymore, and people are beefing. And then no, they're just like, a real label. It's just a it's it's, I, I, it's no longer the the you know that that family mob that people came into it. Well, yeah, because at first actual, it really was it was at, just you. They were all together all the all time. all the time. You know what I mean? And now it is an actual label. This is a record label now. Yeah, and like 
Yeah, you're not just kicking it with Sis. That's like, no, she's one of the biggest stars on earth. Like, like she lives 40 miles away in yeah. a big ass crib in Calabasas. Like, I'm in Carson. <laughs> like, I don't know what you want me to do about that. Like, yeah, yeah. just call Sis and come through. It's like, great. They'd, be, they'd be like, oh, this record would sound great with Sis. Why, why isn't Sis on this? Like, Reason doesn't know what he's doing. I'm like, you don't think I want Sis? You don't think I want Sis on my on my album? You don't think that you don't think that I would call and want Sis? You think if it was that easy, it's like, yo, can you send Sis through to get this? It's like, bro, I and. And so those were the frustrations. But if I said that, then it might then it would spark conversations like, well, SZA isn't fucking with TD. It's like, no, SZA is just an artist on a label. And Cardi doesn't do a record with everybody on Atlantic. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and this is what we are right. now. Yeah. Right. Now, that, that's, that's a fascinating situation. Yeah. So how long were you at it? First of all, let's start with Carson. Yes, yes. Um, tell people exactly where Carson is and does it have an, its own hip-hop culture all to itself? Uh, yes, for sure, for sure. So Carson is um, right next to Compton, Long Beach, Gardena. I, I always tell people Carson is like at the center of actual L.A. Because you have L.A. and then you get to downtown in Hollywood and that's just like its own separate universe. You know what I mean? But when you get into actual L.A., Carson's in the middle of Watts, Long Beach, Compton, like all of those things. So it's kind of like the core. And Carson was the first and it's still like the only city in L.A., that um, the the middle and upper class is black. It's like 85% black. So it was like the first neighborhood that was like damn near all black, but people are doing pretty better pretty off well. pretty well. You know so what it's, I mean? So it is, it is better economically than the other places you named? Exa yes, exactly. Compton, exactly. Watts, et cetera. Compton, Watts, Long Beach. Gardena, Long Beach. It's, it's better economically than all of those. So I moved to Carson. I was actually born in South Central, um, but it, it, it wasn't safe. Um, and... My my mom, basically, my neighbor came and got into an argument with his wife one day and, and shot her and killed her in front of everybody. And so my Including mom- you? Uh, yes, yeah. I was like outside in the yard. I couldn't go outside in the street because that was like the rule. We can't go past the gate. But we were all outside when it happened. Um, and that day, my mom packed all our shit up, moved us into a hotel, and was like, every day after this, after work, I'm going to go and try to find a house. And so we ended up finding this like kind of rundown two-story house in Carson, but it was nice. And saw these black people and- they're doing better. So now this is when I'm starting to realize that I can do other things besides gangbang and sell drugs. How old were you this time? I was eight. I was eight. Do you do you have, I'm sure obviously it's a story you've told a million times. It's, mm. a, it's a pretty like life-changing, formulating story. Do you have actual memories of the day that you saw it happen? 1,000%. Like that day, and it's crazy because I don't remember a lot of things as a kid, but I remember that day because it was just, so much different. We used to always talk about if somebody starts shooting, like there's certain things that you do. Um, when I was a kid, like my mom would tell us, if somebody start, if somebody has a gun, you run in the house, you jump in the tub, you guys dug down. Like they, these were things that we talked about. As an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, even year old, six Yeah, yeah six-year-old, five-year-old, you know, because she wasn't always there. There was like a two-hour gap between my, my dad and my mom being home and my sister was with us taking care of us. So these were like the routines. And so it was my sister and my cousin outside. They were outside the gate. Me and my brother were in the front yard. And when it happened, me and my brother just froze until my sister and cousin like grabbed us. And then we ran in the house and they put us in the tub and whatnot. So I remember that vividly. And then the cops were out there for like the next six hours. You know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, it was something that I vividly remember. I remember that entire transition, the hotels, the finally getting the house and all of that and me, oh, now I can learn how to ride a bike. Like, now I can, you know, meet the other kids on the block because I can leave the the fence. You know what I mean? Like, so I remember all of those things. So it, they were like blatant rule changes because the environment changed. Extreme rule changes. And for, you know, for the bit, that's why I always tell people, I, I, can, I can say I'm from South Central, but Carson is what 
allowed me to have a childhood. Like it allowed me to be able to do other things. Like my best friend at seven years old in, in uh, South Central was already selling drugs for his pops. He was the kid that would go to the door and then run out to the car. You know what I mean? Because what cop is going to stop a seven-year-old? So those were the things that people were already doing. And Carson kind of gave me that other life that I can do other things. And that that's such a that gives you also such a fascinating insight into just how important like class is in 1, America. Yeah. Like race, race is obviously super important and class is super important because yeah. the experience, like, like as, as, as music has taken us recently through like, uh, T- Tyler and the whole entire odd future thing. Yeah, yeah. You see all the different experiences of black folks in California. Exactly. It is not a uniform experience yeah. at all. At all. But you got to see directly Two night and day, two different things. You know what I mean. And that was that was also like a big purpose of this album. It was a uh, it was a, the thought process of like so on my street. We my family owned like five houses on that South Central Street, and so all of my cousins were there. So when I moved, and then I would come back and visit my cousins, I saw the difference in the environment and what the product is because I'm coming back to visit my cousins who. These are my cousins I saw damn near every day. And our lives are drastically going different directions because of the move. You know what I mean? And so it allowed me to understand, like, the porch that you're on, you know, determines where you are or what you're going to be doing. And not to say that you can't do anything else, because, of course, there are the anomalies. There's there's the hoes that come from that. And then, you know, go to be Jay-Z. But it's it's really hard if you've never seen anything else. So, at, so when you go to Carson... As an eight, nine-year-old, yeah. what did you start, like, culturally getting into? Because I think it's interesting that you say you're from Carson and not South Central. Because, yeah. obviously, people would always want to claim South Central because exactly. it makes you sound hard. Makes you sound cooler or hard. Yeah, whatever the case may be. But you also know that culturally, we don't really form until after age eight. Exactly. In terms, yeah. of, what we, in, we, in we in terms really, of what we actually do, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, like the interests we have. and the so, so what did you first start getting into culturally growing up as a kid in Carson? Um, it was, so some of the things were the same. It was just dialed down. So like I still went through like the gang banging stuff and, and trying to decide if I wanted to be a part of that or not. It's just in South Central, you're like, you're basically forced to do that. In Carson, it's like, Oh, I have a choice. I don't have to. You could be those kids or you could be skater kids or you could be... You know what I mean? So for me, I kind of chose like the athlete route. I still hung out with a lot of the gang niggas, but they, they, because you play sports, a lot of them just kind of like let you, you know, be around for certain stuff and then send you home for other things. Um, And I I got into the life. I got into the little skateboard movement for a while. I got into a little jerk air for a while. Like um, I was able to experience all of those things and kind of just branch out and see what I actually had interest in and what I didn't. What kind of sports were you playing? I was playing basketball. I played basketball my whole life. I played basketball um, up until, basically, I started doing music. So I didn't start doing music until 2015. And so you were a pretty serious ball player? Yeah, yeah. I was supposed to go overseas and play in Greece, and I kind of my college experience kind of made me fall out of love with it. It kind of became a real, real business in college. And then I also had, like, 
some some racist stuff going on with my coach where it was like this weird thing the NAACP had to get involved. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't just, <laughs> this, is a, this is why we're doing the podcast. We can't blow, blow past these things. Wait, yeah. so let's, so you played high school series, at what, played, what high school? Played high school at uh, Carson and Narbonne High. And then I went to junior college because um, I, I got accepted to go to USC. My dad worked at USC my entire life. So I got accepted and I could have went for free, but I really wanted to play basketball. I wasn't right. good enough to play at, at USC. USC. So yeah, you're exactly. like, I got to choose now between the free education at SC or playing basketball, or playing basketball. at a exactly. lesser school, but a place where you could play. Exactly. So I went to junior college. I played two years at Cerritos Junior College. Got a, a scholarship to a small school um, in Iowa, which was What weird. school was that? Northwestern State. Northwestern State. Now, what division State. is that? Uh, Div- division Two. Okay. Division Two. So division Two. Played there um, for two years and. The, the situation with my coach um, just kind of turned me off of the whole thing. So what happened? Um, he was just... He was, it's funny because I didn't see the signs when I was getting recruited by him. He would say weird things, and I just kind of never really noticed it. Like he was like, you know, you're gonna be one of the uh, one of the only black kids in the in the neighborhood, so you're gonna be like the black speck on the white wall. And I would never kind of like notice these little things until I got to the school, and then I realized that okay, he only recruited me because the year before they were in a tournament and ran into a black guard. The guard gave him fifty, so he was like, let's go get a black guy to guard the other black guy literally like he told me that like out of his mouth like let's go get the black guy to guard the other black guy um he would have conversations with me like you know ray you know uh, uh black people are the are the the soul he said uh he said mexicans are the hustle white people are the brain if you put them all together you know the body works well but if you had to choose one like wouldn't you rather be the brain like he, these are like real conversations that he would have with me and you know as a kid that just wanted to play basketball I would kind of ignore a lot of them just because I didn't want to get on his bad side because I wanted to play because you'd already made the decision at that point like I was already there. I was already there you know what I mean like so I was already about like six months in and there and, you know, I was playing a lot of minutes, but we used to this have... Is, these, this is 2013? This is, yeah, 2013. 2013. 2013. Okay. So I was playing a lot of minutes, um, but we would have weekly meetings with the coaches. And every single meeting, he was just saying these things. He would say the N-word in meetings. And, and give him what context? As, as he, would, he would find examples to say it. Like, he'd be like, so if we're in a, in a crowd of people, you know, you have to learn how to behave. So if we're in a crowd of people, you're not going to walk up to me and be like, what's up, my nigga? And I would just be blown, like... I can't believe that this you could have is, used so many examples of what not to do. Of just what saying, not to do without doing that. You know what I mean? And so it was a. This constant. is one of those things where <laughs> if you were to isolate one thing, and that was all that ever happened, you probably go like, "Oh, that made me feel weird," but I'm not going to take that much. That was literally how I felt. But then, right, but then now you look back, you're like, "Wait a second, this it, is so many different things." Yeah, and I think yes. it's important to point this out because, you know, 2013 is a lifetime ago yeah. with regard to someone in his position. Yeah. Like, I would have to imagine that in 2023, if the exact same thing were to repeat himself, it repeat itself, even if he was doing the same stupid thing of yeah. being like, I'm going to go get a black guy to cover the yeah. black guy. Yeah. I have to imagine in 2023, he wouldn't talk the way he was talking in 2013. But this is the scary thing is that it's like, he still has the job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, for me, it's like it showed me, like— All right, well, so then hold on. So play out what happened. How do we get to the whole— Okay, so we, we get there because now I'm I'm a senior, and I'm, I'm now I'm at a point where I'm kind of realizing, like, you know, I don't know if I want to play overseas. And, and so I'm starting to have the thoughts of, you know, maybe basketball isn't the career path. And in, in, in this instance, I'm also starting to fall in love with music because I had a MacBook and I'm recording songs on my MacBook. So I'm like, I kind of want to do music when I get back home. So now at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm willing 
to talk up and say something. And so uh, I told my mom what happened. She was pissed because she Which didn't know. Which specific thing? Um, what, which specific thing did I tell my mom? Yeah. I told her everything. Okay. So, so you, at this point I got on the phone with her and just told her like, yo. Was there one thing that happened that was like the thing that went a bridge too far? Well, mom, I got like a real black mom. So as soon as she heard white coach racist, she didn't even need the examples. <laughs> <laughs> so she was already like, <laughs> she was already there. You know what I mean? Like she was already She'd at been the airport. For this she was like at the airport going through security while I'm telling her the rest of the story. You get what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so, uh. I tell her, but I end up, you know, having a long conversation telling her everything. And my my teammates, shout out to them, um, because they're in this, you know, predominantly white town. And it was about three of them that uh, they would notice these things. And they even, when the NAACP stuff got involved, they even um, uh, co-signed as witnesses as some of these things happened. Because they could see the difference clearly, like, between you know, how the coach would treat them and versus how he would treat me. They could clearly see it. And had, had that become a conversation with them prior to it exploding? Had yeah, really we had, we like, they would come to me after practice sometimes and be like, I'm, I'm really sorry that you got to go through this shit. Like, but I wouldn't even say anything. And they would just walk up to me and be like, yo, bro, I'm really sorry you got to go through this shit. Just know that we're happy that you're here. Like, they would say things like that automatically, you know what I mean? And that's what kind of made the experience a little bit better because I knew that my teammates you know, were rocking with me and I didn't have to think that they were looking at me the same way the coach was. The coach was. All right, so I mean? so you tell your mom the story. Yeah. She comes she comes yeah, in. She, she comes out there and um my mom's a paralegal, so she's very good with her pen and you know doing all of that. So where in Iowa is this? Um uh Orange City, Iowa. Is Orange it? City. Orange Iowa. City. It's like three hours north of Des Moines. So three Des Moines hours like, north of Des Moines. Des Moines, Iowa. How far from Davenport? I want to say like two. Okay, so it's, it's out there. It's out there. It's like... It's Field of Dreams, I would. It's like, yeah, like two restaurants in the town, two fast food places, one gas station. Okay. And this is that, America. Is that... It's America, baby. <laughs> you out in America. Yeah, is that like, like Mitt Romney came and visited my school. Like, wow. Yeah, there's... I'm, I'm so scared because there's a picture. So I'm, I'm very big on experiences. So I'm like, you know, coming from all black neighborhood, it's like every election... Democrats, niggas, we here. We not. I, it, you don't even have to know anything about the the candidates. And so when Mitt Romney was coming to my school, I'm like, I want to hear what he got to say because I've never, you know, you know, did it or whatever. But in order to get into the conference, you had to take a picture with Mitt Romney. So there's a picture out there with me. And Yo, that's <laughs> hilarious. There's a picture out there with me and Mitt, Mitt by Romney. By the way, and by the way, life is so insane. Yeah. That you fast forward. That picture has aged so many different ways because now, relative to the Republican Party. I would take a picture with Mitt that, Romney. That's what I'm saying. But it's at, so the time, crazy. at the at time, at the time though, bro, that's why. And this is when Obama is trying to get elected, and so I have so many like, like that's why I say like my perspective, uh, especially like when it comes to the music, I'm able to look at things so differently because I've had so many different perspectives. I had a uh, a roommate, um, uh, shout out to Eric, that was he grew up the same way I grew up, hardcore. Uh, uh, Democrat. He grew up hardcore Republican. So when Obama was running we would have those conversations. Like, me and him were cool enough to where we could have the uncomfortable conversations. And he would be like, you know, you're only voting for Obama because he's black. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you don't think that's right? And I was no, like, I'm only voting because he's black and he's a Democrat. Yeah, is that <laughs> And he's a Democrat. Excuse me. But uh, it's funny because we had a conversation and he was like, why is it okay for you to only vote for him because he's black and it's not okay for a white person to not vote for him because he's black. And I told him, I said, well, the difference is that, but these are the uncomfortable conversations that, you know, people will look at right, you. He wasn't asking he it wasn't to be asking, nasty. He, he was, was literally asking, asking like, 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 why is that okay? Like, why is it okay for you guys to pick somebody because of race, but us to not pick somebody because of race? And I had to tell him, I said, you know, if I have a son, I can't tell my son that he can become president and believe it because we've never had one. 
you can look at your son and tell your son that he can become president. I said, so even if this nigga sucks when he gets in, which I don't think he will, but even if he does, at least I got past that part. You know what I mean? And it's crazy because when I told him that, he went out and voted for Obama. Wow. He went out and voted for Obama. Yeah, that was enough for him because he was very big on family. You know what I mean? He never thought about the impact that it would have. Impact that it would have just to have a black president. And you know what I mean? So what about the deeper part too that I'm always that I always point out too? Not only did Obama have such a huge huge effect on what black parents could show their children, but what about what white parents could show their children? One thousand percent. Oh the the most powerful man in the land is black. Yeah. Yeah. That's now listen, that led to some really horrifying repercussions, no, no, of course. For sure. But it also it also led to some really beautiful things. A thousand percent. That we haven't necessarily reaped yet. But exactly. It's, it's and and, and I, I truly believe that the younger generation, because of that, exactly what you said, it's like now you can't look at a black person as less than because you were when growing, you were when you were when you, 10 were, when the you first... were ten for eight years the most powerful person in the on the entire planet was a black man so from ten to eighteen which is your critical years you know that was the case and for him because we were so close me saying that you know we were already damn near like family so he's thinking of it in the in the terms of like you know damn so you know if I if if Rob had a son right now. Like, I couldn't even look his son in the eyes and tell him that. You know what I mean? So that was enough for him. And wow. he went out and he voted for Obama. All right. So so back to the the the, the story with the coach, though. Yes. Yeah. So your mom comes to town. She's nice with the pen. She's yeah. like, we got to figure this out. And what did you what do you do? So so she writes out a letter to the NAACP. She talks to my teammates. She she gets them to sign off as witnesses and whatnot. She doesn't go talk to my coach because I beg her not to. I'm just like, you know, like. Come in town, we can figure it out. So we go stay at a hotel, writes it out. She talks to my uh, my teammates. They share some of their stories. She writes out like this 12-page report to the NAACP. This is what's scary. So we turn it into the NAACP. They send a letter back to the school immediately. So shout out to them. That was It was fast. Like It was like, nah, we're not rocking. Like right away. They send a letter back to the school. And so the... Uh, forgot what they call it in college, but the head person at the school, I don't think it's like a dean or something, but whatever that title is. Chancellor um, or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they see it and they call me and uh, the coach into uh, this office and we have a conversation and their conversation with me is, if this can just go away, you can go home and we will just give you your degree. That's the conversation. It's like, if this can just go away, you can leave school early. It was like, February, right after the school, I mean, right after the season ended, you can go home and we'll just give you your degree. But we just don't want to, like, deal with this. So instead of... But like, why, why would you leave? So for me, the, they knew that I wanted to leave because I had, in the letter, I was talking about, like, the mental issues, like, kind of, like, struggles I was going through even being there and how I didn't want to stay. I just wanted to go home. Okay. So they knew that that was, like, a soft spot for me. It's right. like, I just want to go home. Like, I'm, I'm tired of being out here. Everything closed at 8. Y'all full. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, like I want to go I home. I need more restaurant <laughs> options. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to go racism's home. The racism's bad, yeah. but the food choices are horrible. <laughs> like, racism mixed with this is crazy. It's like too much. It's just way too much. You know what I mean? Like, everything closes at 7. This is insane. So... They knew that that was my soft spot. Um, and this is one thing. I, I don't have many regrets in life, but th- this is one thing I regretted. I, I took him up on that option and I went home. And it, was, it wasn't because I was scared to fight that fight. And if I could go back now, I would do it just because I would think about all the future, you know what I mean, endeavors. Like, he probably still wouldn't be there. But for me, I was just, I was being selfish. I was like, ain't no black people here anyway. Like, 
yo, whites could deal with that shit. Like, I just want to go home. You know what I mean? And so I took him up on that. Uh, and what, what year was this? This was 2014. No, but what year in your college? Oh, my senior year. My senior year. So it was so, your senior year. Yeah, so I was done playing basketball, and I already had some overseas tryouts uh, set up for when I got back to L.A. anyway. So for me, I was just like, you know what? I just want to go home. And so I took him up. And it's something that I regret because— there's going to be other kids that are black that go out there and they're going to have to go through the same shit. And he's still and coaching. He's still coaching. I check every year because I'm just i just blown that he's still are there, coaching. Were, are there black players on the team? Um, two years ago, I checked the actual roster and there were two black players on the team. Hmm. So I can only imagine, you know what I mean? But um, but I will say that they the two black players on the team were from out there, so maybe they're used to it. Like, maybe it's not as bad as, you know, with me, but I was the first kid from, like, a urban environment that he had ever recruited. Do, do, do you know how much of it got... But he was in the meeting, though, right? Yeah, he was in the so, meeting, yeah. So he was aware of what happened. He was aware that... That's something, he was very aware of what happened, and he didn't even, like... He wasn't even, like, sympathetic in the meeting. He, he never... Did he ever apologize, or... Never, ever. He never that, reached out afterwards? That's what I'm saying. Like, he's, he's never reached out, never did anything, and it was just a situation where, you know... This is every like even the the chancellor whoever it is they weren't even like surprised it was just kind of like you know like what can we do to make this how go good away? A, how good a program is it like we were actually nice I will say that we was like number two in the nation like we was so is yeah. that part of the thing that they actually it's one of the things in that town that actually matters is I think, that- yeah yeah it's like the only thing in that town that matters is like the basketball program you know what I mean like when we had games the entire town comes out like people knew me by first name basis out there like wherever I went I got free food and shit like so it, it is like a thing so so yeah. they're happy with what the program they're happy is. they're very ecstatic so with that, what that's, the program that's, that's that that is a uh, uh, element of it. You did know you what see, I mean? Did you see the um, the Bob Huggins story recently? I did not. I did not. So you know Bob Huggins, who yeah. was coach for forever at Cincinnati, and now he was. This was at whatever West Virginia. So first, I guess like two months ago, he called. He called into a radio show in, I think it was in Cincinnati. They called him. You know, like the, probably the old radio show he used to go on, yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. still cool with him. Gotcha. And they called him and he starts talking shit and he's messing around and he says crazy shit. He talked about, he used the F word slur for gay people mm. about he's probably those Catholic F words, blah, blah. Crazy. I never heard anything crazy. like it because he had Catholics and gay people in the same line. I never even heard anything like it before. I was like, oh, wow. That's, yeah, he's, he's sweeping through. Yeah, he really sweeping. Yeah. And, and, and the guy's like, oh, and they kind of like laughed it off and he had to put out an apology, whatever. They, he kept the job at West Virginia. Bro, this is, this is, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, I'm like, but if you're a gay student, a Catholic student. Catholic student. A gay Catholic student. <laughs> like, if you're anyone there at West Virginia, of which yeah. I'm guessing all those people exist, it's a state school. Yeah. Like, but they kept him. And then, like, six weeks later, he got hit with, like, a vicious DUI. And then... And then they... And now he's and then, out. And now he's out. The now first out. strike... Yeah. The vicious homophobia yeah. wasn't enough. Yeah, but exactly. when you add yeah. the DUI on top of it... Yeah. But I say that because, uh, to, to a bigger degree than in out there in, um, what, uh, Orange City, Iowa... Yeah, yeah, yeah. In West Virginia, yeah, I mean that basketball program's life. No, so like sure. you're going to do exactly. everything you can to keep the big these coaches like if they're, they're celebrities. And you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and at the big schools, they're the highest paid employee in employee the state. in the state. Like they're, they're this is like they it is their city. Like I used to like um because uh, it was it was also a, a Christian school and um. I would go, because uh, I was over 21 my senior year, and I would go um, have to drive like 12 
miles to go to a Walmart to get like liquor if I wanted to drink on the weekend. And there would be people in that town that would like text them like, yo, your players in here. Like just to let you know, like your players in here. Like that's how I'm saying that that's how prominent he was. Like everybody knew who he was. There was nothing that you can do in it. So that was kind of like his town, you know what I mean? And um I also believe that that's why he coached there for so long, because this is a very successful coach. Could have moved up into division one easily a long time ago, but I just think that that was, you know, you know, that was his his realm, you know what I mean? And he, he was comfortable there. So yeah. So so you go home to Carson and yep. and how serious does does the music thing pick up pretty quickly? It picks up like right away. Like right away I get there, my agent calls, he's like, um, you know, I got this contract for Greece. I'm like, nah, I don't want to do it. Uh, I'm a I'm a rap. He was pissed because he was working on that contract for a long time. Um and, and, could you, and could you have made good money in Greece? I would. That's why. That was one of the reasons I didn't want to. I would have been starting from the bottom and having to build back up. What's so the, what, what would that have looked like? It was like, like twelve hundred a month, but they also give you like room and board. Right. Yeah, so, so it was, it's not real money. It's I mean, not it's, real money at all. But, but it you was stack like, a few thousand dollars. Exactly. But, it. but it's right. like if you come out here and average twenty, then maybe you can you know next time make three thousand a month and you know just kind of slowly yeah. work your way up. And that's I was just, I was just like, I'm not. That's not yeah. the basketball dream anyone signed up for in any type of way. Well, at that point, you know. This isn't some path to the NBA. I'm not going to the NBA. This is like, just a path yeah. to trying to get to a decent job. At this point, John Wall's coming down the middle, right hand, left hand, you know, doing whatever. The hell. I'm like, I'm not going to the NBA. Right. I, I would have already yeah. been on a different path. I would have already been having, you know, these these mixtapes and highlight tapes out. I'm like, <laughs> right, right. yeah, this this isn't worth it. So I can go to Greece and not oh, speak It would have been an language. experience. It would have been dope. You know what I mean? You would have like, had some upside, I'm sure. Yeah, but I can also, you know, just save money and go to Greece. Like, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> now you can go to Santorini, yeah. get a room and relax. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so how did you? Did you have a team yet of people trying to help you with the rap? Um, I just had the homies, but uh, I had graduated and uh, and I had a degree in business management. I, I double majored business management and sports management. Um, you know, got the degrees for free. Thank you, coach. And um, but I said it to say I I knew that I had to come in and attack it differently than every other LA rapper that was doing it. So I knew I had to be consistent. I knew I had to invest in myself. And so I came in, got a, came home, got a job. And just started pouring into my music career. What was the job? Um, I was working at uh, as like a sales rep for like this uh, this uh, turf tolerant landscaping company. Basically, California is going through a drought. They come in, rip up your grass, put down like mulch or or you know artificial grass, whatever you want. Um, and then we would collect the rebate from the state because the uh, state was offering rebates. So this is just a straight it. up desk. It's just phone desk, call. you know, cubicle. I would be there, headset on, listening but, to music in one ear. All this though still goes back, kind of. So you moving to Carson. 1,000%. Because that's some very middle class, educated, exactly. go grab a quick job. Exactly. And it's it's like a lot of the other artists, because um, some of my cousins were artists too, but you know, they're, you know, making the money doing other things. You know what I mean? And, and that's a pain in the ass, bro. For sure. For like sure. you might make more money and get to have more glamour. <laughs> yeah. But like- the idea that you could be just doing your jobby job while yeah. building your career. I mean, yeah. you could look across. I mean, it sounds like, you know, it's the same as a uh, little Dicky story. Yeah. Like it's like, <laughs> it's, it's very, it's funny. Cause I'm, I'm a little Dicky fan and it's very similar to his story. You get you a job, I mean? you're able to get a job and exactly. then just work on, and just work on the music and not and feel the stresses of like, oh my God, if this doesn't go through, what's exactly. going to happen? And I'll tell other people like, that shit is hard. Cause I did, I, I tried to sell weed. That shit is hard. Everybody got a weed man already. <laughs> shit way harder than selling grass. <laughs> because everybody needs, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> selling grass is way Bro, harder than everybody grass. I hit up to buy some weed already had a weed man. And then the homie that was doing it with me, he was a smoker. So he was smoking up all the shit that we had. Like, I'm like, we're losing. We're in, we're in the hole right now. Like, well, like who in California who in California, in L.A., 
doesn't have, have a weed man. Doesn't have three. You know what I mean? Like they they all they got one, and if he don't, if he's not around, they got another one. Not to he, mention, you're edging right up near the time of of legalized medicinal. Yeah, like, so it's like you know, half of the people are going to the shop. The other people already got. You know what I mean? The other homies already got a weed man, and. I'm also, like, I didn't grow up as the kid that was selling drugs and whatnot, so I'm also trying to, like, tell people, y'all sit, and they laughing at me, like, nigga, what are you doing? Like, you know what right. I mean? Like, it's not you. Yeah, they're like, that's not you. Like, why are you doing this? You know what I mean? So I did that for, like, two months, and I So you're was, stacking, so, so yeah. then you start stacking the paper at the job. Yeah. And you said, and you're pouring money into what, studio time? Studio time. Studio time, music videos. Back then, it wasn't as easy to shoot a music video. Like, everybody didn't just have a camera, so... What's the, what's the early video you put out? It was our um, first... Yeah, so the first video I put out was actually Better Days, which was, like, uh, one of the songs that... One of my highest streaming songs now, because it uh, it re-dropped on the, the album that uh, Top re-put out. And then but it was really one that of was your a first... Single. That was literally the first video that I shot and released was Better Days. Very Two first. million views. Two million views. I'm guessing yeah. it didn't and get most of those views in the early it, days. It though. did not. We had about sixteen hundred views when it dropped the first time. Really? But about twenty million streams right now and two million views on YouTube. My like one of my highest streaming songs still as of today. And so this is what year? Um, this was well. That one is the TDE version. So oh, they had this us, is the TDE they version. They had us take down the other one, but oh, even the the concept for this video is the exact same concept that I used for the original. It was just a bigger budget. So oh, this just looks like the a concept video. is going to this liquor store. I went to the same liquor store, trying to get uh, with your girl, arguing, going to the liquor store, come out, get shot, and then you're rapping the sec second verse like bleeding on the ground, bleeding out. But my version of it was shitty because we only had eleven hundred dollar budget, and then theirs was a lot better than my version. Got it. Okay, yeah, so we don't yeah. we can't. See we can't see the old boot. I don't. Either. I don't have. I wish I did have it because I could show you. You know, the did, are all your old initial videos gone? All of them. The top came through and swept all that shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, "We're not having people like, Google you yeah, and find this yeah, bullshit." We're not, yeah, he was like, "So <laughs> shitty ass music video." That shit. <laughs> you're with TDE now. Yeah, exactly. So he swept through all that. So shit. and and so you started getting shows. Um, yeah, so I started getting shows, but then I also um there was a promoter out there, Sean Healy, and he would be like. The, the booking agent for anybody coming through L.A. So labels would hit him up and be like, oh, got this artist coming through L.A., what venues you got? And so I also got cool with Sean, and so Sean would put me on as an opener. Oprah, so you get to open. So you be exactly. the random... You'd be the random act. Be the random that act That when artists are like, who the fuck is this in my bill? <laughs> exactly. What the fucking yeah. reason. And I, would, and I would always start off my show with Better Days because I knew that was a song that would, that would captivate people. And I, I got a lot of fans. That's really how I grew my fan base. I was performing like every single week. And always hitting Better Days. And I was always starting off with Better You know, because you're the opener, you're the random opener. Everybody, while, while you walk on stage, everybody's getting a drink and stuff like that. And I would always start off with Better Days. And by the end of the song, I would have the crowd at least for another, you know, the rest of my set. And I would have a 20-minute set, but I would always do only like 12 minutes of the set. Genius. Just genius. Up, in and out. You know what? You in just, and out. You just won me over yeah. right now, really. Because <laughs> I swear They didn't come for me. They didn't come for me. I'm going to give y'all my best three or four. Bro. I'm out of here, so, bro. Like. So, so I used to. I don't do it as much anymore, certainly, yeah. but I... I hosted a lot of shows. Gotcha. I did the RSOB showcase. I did so many different concerts. And when people would get on as the opener, I would always be like, but how long are you doing? Yeah. They'd be like, oh, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. I'd be like, bro, I don't know any of your songs <laughs> and I'm the host. <laughs> you should, you could get that down to eight. 
Seriously, no, seriously, pick your best three. The ones, what? The ones that you know for a fact are going to work. And, and, and then you walk off and people go, oh, that shit was dope. I wish it didn't end. I, no yo, my name is Reason. I appreciate y'all every single time. And then they I come up to you afterwards and, they and they're like, wow, well, I really like that. I would have my, I would have my, um, uh, so I had printed versions of my CD before it even dropped and I would tell them like, yo, I got an album dropping in like two months, but you know. Have you, you given youngsters support, this advice? I have. I tell, And they, they don't listen. No because, one wants yeah, to hear it. They show up to the show, they got 30 niggas with them. They like, my niggas came to see me rock. Like, <laughs> even if they're and it's proud like you have even them, they're bro, already your they're fans. They're already your fans. They're already gonna listen to your shit. You know Pick what I mean? Your, so, yo, I would. There's no, there's no amount that's too short. Yeah. You could tell me I'm doing one song. I'm like, that sounds great. Yeah. One song, yeah. you might win someone over. You might, with one song. you might win them over with one song. You but know what like, I mean? but it's so hard. You have to be. And then on the flip side of that coin, I've seen headliners who are amazing. Who do fifty five and I'm like that show could have been thirty yeah for sure I didn't need fifty five for sure because I I, I'm, I'm a fan of you but I'm only a fan of the thirty you know what I mean and there's the other twenty five of you that you know I maybe don't listen to as, uh, yeah even I mean, as your fan I skip it I skip the song or whatever so matter of fact so, I, people so so the two concerts this summer that everyone's obviously talking about are uh, Beyonce and yes. Taylor Swift yeah, yeah. They're, they're like they're running this summer until Drake now now yeah. Drake's becoming a thing yeah. although with all due respect to Drizzy Drizzy's doing the arena tour yeah. Taylor and Beyonce they're doing, do they're, stadiums. They're doing stadiums, yeah. For both of them, though, and I may see Beyonce. I'm definitely not seeing Taylor Swift. Yeah, I. Everyone's everyone's giving such praise. They're playing. They're doing three hour concerts. I'm yeah. like, I don't know that I need that. <laughs> three. Bro, if Pac came back from the dead I, right now, I don't want to see. Pac I don't on think stage I need three. I don't hours. need three hours of Pac. <laughs> I swear to God, after an hour, you'd be like, no, "This is a long show." I'd be like, "Hey, Pac." I'm you trying know. to think. Of, I can't think of. Like I think I feel like if Michael came back from the dead, I would want to do ninety to two hours. I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> I think of Mike. Yeah, of Mike. Yeah. Taylor's only been in the game for I think like thirteen years strong, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. How is she at three hours yeah. already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's always less is more. You know what I mean? And and I kind of. I realized that super, super early on just from me going to shows because before I started doing the shows, I started just going to random shows and watching any artist that was in town, I'd go watch. And I noticed that I was like, man, like, I probably get like bored, even if I'm a fan of this artist, maybe like 22 minutes in, unless I'm like a diehard fan of them. You know what I mean? And so I would get on stage and do my anywhere between eight to 12 minutes, depending. And I would literally do, depending on how the, I would have three records ready. And if the crowd was really engaged, I'd do like one more record. And me and my DJ would know, you know what I mean? Like you, we'd be able to kind of read it and be like, yo, you know, we're going to get out of here or let's do this very last record and get up off the stage. So I would always do like eight to 12 minutes. And I built a big fan base um, doing that. Just doing that. Just doing that. Um, the first, the very first artist I actually opened up for was Joe, Joe Budden. That was the first one that I opened up wow. for. Wow. Yeah, so I opened up for him at uh, Los Globos. So was that full circle when you went on Joe's podcast? Super, super, yeah. It was super, like, full circle. I actually had, like, a picture from uh, the show uh, that because we took a picture together after the show, and I showed him, and he was like, boy, I was high as hell during this picture. <laughs> like, he was he was like, I don't even remember this night. But So which version of Joe was a bigger dick? Original Joe at the club? Oh, or original, because he was he was super scarred then. He still carries the <laughs> he's trauma. He's still crazy. He's still though. crazy and carries the trauma, but that's my dog now. He was an asshole then. Like, I had to, like, fight to take a picture with him. I'm like, damn. Yeah, like, really? like, yeah, like, he was not fucking with me. I'm like, God Yo, damn. You should, hold on, you should see this motherfucker Joe at, at Summer Jam. <laughs> I, be, I believe it. I no, believe Joe it. at Summer Jam this year. Oh, this year? No, this year. <laughs> have you seen the picture? With, was no, have you seen that? No, first of all, he was a great hang, but mm-hmm. have you seen what the fuck Joe wore to Summer Jam this year? Nah, I didn't see it. I didn't see Yo, it. Yo, my man, well, how would you even describe that, Joe? It was like a... <laughs> 
It was like it's. Not, I don't want to go dashiki. It's like a, oh, no, this it was like that. a big. It looked like he was about to go pray at Mecca. Like it was like a big white. Like it, yeah. it was insane. Shout nah, to, nah, shout jo- to Joe. Joe is funny. I told him because um, uh, I just did his uh, pod like two days ago, and I, I told him I said, "Bro, you didn't need to be successful as an artist because like you're like the way you are. Like if you would have been like a massive hit art, like." It would have been it would have been insane. You were already crazy. You know what I mean? That is like, such a good point. Yeah, like if you were walking around with Drake level hits, like that you could just, you know, pop out at any time, like Joe would have been a menace. But you wanna understand funny? So as you may or may not know, depending on how big a fan of Joe you are, me and him have super long history. It goes yeah. back like twenty years. Yeah. And before I ever knew any other rappers. And we have this interview from oh, Two or oh three when Pump It Up was on fire. Yeah. I did a couple of interviews with him at that time. That's how he became like an early rap friend of mine. Gotcha, gotcha. Yo, when he was scorching, like I was just a random DJ doing XM at the time. He was cool as a motherfucker. Yeah. It's yeah. really interesting, actually. Like, he didn't have he I, now that I'm thinking about it, when I remember Joe from that era, I was an absolute nobody to him. And he gave me zero dickhead vibe at all. Like yeah. he would come do my show, hang out for an hour, yeah. talk shit. Now, granted, he thought I was very funny, and yeah. like he was one of as much as I always take try to take credit for helping Joe start his podcast. Yeah. Joe was one of the first people, even though he may have not said anything to me yeah. or like went and did anything about it. Yeah. The way he treated me showed me like. He fucked with me. Yeah, exactly. He clearly yeah. knew that yeah. even though I was a nobody, yeah. I was meant to have yeah. a bigger platform. It's, yeah, like your energy and conversation. He got like it. That. Yeah, he and, and it, it. So it still helped me, and I'm yeah. grateful for yeah. it. But yeah, he was actually really chill when he was smoking hot as an artist at that time. Yeah, that's but, interesting. But how would? But he was only one single in. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. he might have still just been on the high of like... Yeah, like I'm I'm, I'm here and I'm right, ready. Right, and it's fucking I mean? pop. Yeah. Now, yeah. you fast forward a year later after the Jay-Z shit, all the different yeah, shit yeah, that happened, he might have become a miserable wretch already. I don't really remember. Yeah, I was about to say, I think I think a lot of it just came from Joe, like going through the industry and you know becoming scarred by that because even like I said like like that night he was an asshole but like the, the moment I met Joe as an artist man he didn't even know who I was um, Rory's actually the one that brought me over to the pot and then I met him but the moment I met him he just he he just showed me love and supported literally any and everything that I was doing and I'm, I'm super grateful for Joe because he's given me a lot of advice and how to maneuver and you know dealing with different frustrations and stuff like that and now like me you're stuck in the position of having a relationship with Rory and Joe yeah yeah and it's, here, it's, we are, here we are again yeah but my, my my sense of humor is so dark that it's it's just funny to me right right yeah. you just laugh at it I just, yeah I just laugh at it like this is really <laughs> hilarious like you know what I mean and so and they're both uh, they're both like petty in a way so they take like it's funny because like they're, they're, they're over it so it's not like a thing that you know what I mean of course they don't get along but uh, you know they both just take their little shots or whatever and it's just Joe has me. the weirdest beef with everybody yeah. <laughs> it's all like not that serious yeah, but yeah. also real but at also, the same like, time it, it exists right it exists, it exists but yeah. it's never that serious yeah, yeah. and by the way at this point I just try my best to whenever someone whenever someone gives me the reason yeah. to talk about Joe yeah. I just do it on the podcast because I know it's guaranteed for some cheap clicks people <laughs> always seem to think that we hate each yeah, other no yeah, matter yeah. what so I yeah, just I've, keep, seen, I've seen oh before, Rosenberg yeah. and Joe Oh, they yeah. say, well, like when he was being a dick to Logic a few months ago, yeah, and I just yeah. jumped out. I was like, can you leave this man alone? He's not bothering you. Yeah, also, yeah. I didn't. I, here's what I don't understand. I'm not saying everyone has to be a, a Logic fan. Yeah, And I'm not saying that Logic doesn't have like traits that could make him off-putting for a certain kind of rap fan. Yeah. I do get it. Mm-hmm. 
But I always found his hate on <coughs> Logic's rapping skills to his be weird. His rapping skills, yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not a Logic fan of the music or the person. Me and Logic have our own thing. Oh, you do? Yeah, like a little thing. It's Reason and that. Logic? You guys I, should go I, together no, I, I literally know. I've heard every single <laughs> joke about it. <laughs> I've heard I thought every I was so single. creative. <laughs> I've heard every single thing. But, wait, wait, but wait. I do agree with you on his rap skills. Just straight, like, just straight. I can't say that he's not a good rapper. I can't say that. I was just found yeah. that part so weird. Like, yeah, yeah, you could have a million reasons not to like him if you want, but like yeah. Joe would be like, he sucks. I was like, as a rapper? Yeah. I the one thing about me before I got into, you know, knew him at all. I was just like, wow, well, this guy clearly has a solid voice and yeah. he knows how to, yeah. he understands no, he something can put, about he rapping. He can put words together. He 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 says what he thinks. Like, I was an early Logic fan. I was an early Logic fan. And let me guess, um, that's part of how it led to you and him not being good. Is that uh, like- no, it wasn't necessarily that. It was, it was, this is the thing. It was kind of my fault. I'm, I'm big on accountability. So it was kind of my I fault. I love this. Yeah, this is what we're was, here for. What it happened? Was, it was kind of my fault. So I had a, a record called The Soul Part Two. And um, uh, at this stage, I went on Joe's podcast and no, Joe, Joe accidentally called me, <laughs> Joe accidentally called me Logic on the podcast. Like just like speaking too fast with like Logic. And then he made the reason joke and he was like, so um, I had the, the song called The Soul Part Two. And, um, uh, I had a line during the end, and I was like, uh, because after this, fans started running with it and being funny. I was so like, talking shit and calling you logic, calling me, you know what I mean? Because Joe's podcast is on fire, so it's a bunch of fans that met me from that podcast. And by the way, and Joe has his share of people who are fucking all due respect, real yeah, quick. Yeah, he has normal listeners, and he has fucking losers who are just going to exactly. obsess and, and say whatever and he that, says. And that's what it was. It was those. So I had a line where I said, "See, y'all must take my name for logic. You got me fucked up. How you compare a nigga to take from a culture versus a nigga that's for it?" So I started it. You know what I'm saying? I started it because I did feel that way. I felt that way. And I'm very, unlike the, like the where the rap game is now, everybody is like, it's soft. Like when people have issues, they do subliminals. Nobody really throws the direct shot. Like, so for me, I didn't, how direct I am as a person in real life. I didn't even consider that as like a shot. I considered it like, this is the narrative. Everybody says it's the narrative. I'm just speaking on like a narrative that already exists. Um, And so, you know, Logic fans, pissed off about it and I even I took accountability I was like yo if y'all feel a way about it you know what I mean like like I apologize Logic did nothing to me I said that or whatever and so Logic the issue that I had with Logic after that was well, well let's start here though. Before okay. the, I, don't forget that yeah, yeah, yeah. but real quick why do you feel that Logic takes from the culture where you give to it because I was an early Logic fan and Logic made his career off of I'm black my dad's black um, you know that entire thing, I can say, nigga, like all of these things. And I felt like once he got big, it became like, like put the white hat on and be able to get through that and love everybody's album was called everybody. And it was like, it wasn't, it was no more about black plight. It was about, you know, gays go through this, you know, white, uh, uh, lower class people go through this. It was talking about everybody. And I felt like don't wear the black hat to get where you want to get. And then, you know, because that is the the issue. Like, if you're black, you can't take it off. You know what I mean? And so we can't just take it off when we want to, but you can use that to build up and then, you know, do that. So that was my my issue with that. Yeah, so... um, you know, I I'm if, not saying okay to agree. No, no, no. You're just saying you you understand. I what understand I'm saying. the point yeah, you're making. Yeah. I think there's a more. Yeah. I think there's more in there to get sure, into. But I hear what you're sure. saying. Okay, yeah, for sure. And that's what I'm saying. And, and I'm also not the type of person to think that I'm just automatically right. So that was the reason why I went out and um, I apologized because I was like, you know, like if if y'all fell away in this deeply because the Logic fans were just like at me. It's like if y'all fell away that deeply, you know, like I apologize. You know, it it wasn't it wasn't meant to be. You know, 
taken that way or whatever. So that's what I said. So Logic came out, he did the smart thing and said, I don't know who Reason is, which he knows who I am because Logic follows TDE very, 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 very closely. So I let it go. But my issue with him was that he kept doing this thing where I don't know who Reason is and then he would go on an interview and make jokes about me. And then go on another interview and be like, I don't know who Reason is. And then he would go on another interview and make jokes about me. So for me, I'm like, yo, if we're going to do the rap thing, let's just do the rap thing. But don't play the in-between game, you know what I mean? And, and you just not knowing who I am. Like, he did a sit-down with Rory and them, um, and he was just like, you know, I don't know who this kid reason is, but, you know, like, let him know, like, you know, I love him and this and this and this. And then when the camera shuts off, he's telling Rory, like, you know, like, like, like fuck that guy and this and this. But he doesn't know, like, Rory's my guy. Like, right, you know right. what I mean? Like, I'm cool with Joe and Rory, but Rory's, like, really, really my guy. And so, for me, I'm just like, yo, if we're going to do the rap thing, let's do the rap thing, but don't play in between, you know what I mean? And not, like, like what are we doing? And so that was my issue when I actually started having an issue with logic. I understand that. Yeah. That makes sense. This, yeah. this, this all seems very, this all seems like it'd be either, either it could be fun through rap yeah. or a very easy conversation. No, for sure. Like, like for me, it was like, and I even, I even reached out to him and was like, yo, like, like, let's just have a conversation. But he'll ignore those things and then talk about the other things. So for me, I was just like... He ignored the attempt to reach out? Yeah. So for me, I was I just like... I, I, do, I have to love you, Logic. I hate yeah. when people do that, though. Yeah, like, it's like... But, it, but he's literally online making videos like, Reason, let's go out and have dinner together. But then you see me reaching out. I've had this exact experience. Yeah, like about. it's like it was just weird to me. So for me, I'm like, let's either do the fun rap thing because none of it is real. It's not real. Right, life. This is, this is yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, let's either do the fun rap thing and make it fun for everybody. That way, everybody is now having fun. Or let's just have a conversation and be over it. You know what I mean? And so that kind of went on throughout. Um, uh, not this last album we dropped, but the previous album that went on through like his entire rollout. You know what I mean? Oh, so, shit. Yeah, so, but I, I mean, blame I blame Joe and Rory. <laughs> um, all right, uh, real quick, tell people the name of the album. You got to go to ESPN, I'm told. So yes, tell yes. people the name of the album and the date. Uh, name of the album is Porches. Uh, it's coming out on July 28th. Um, and yeah, um, I don't have any like witty, you know. You don't need to have anything witty. Honestly, like I, I just going through your catalog, man, it, for the people listening to this podcast right now, if y'all have never spent time with Reason, like you're going to fuck with it. And especially if you're feeling, um, I, I already started listening to the new one. A lot of the listeners right now, the podcast, y'all are high off that Killer Mike Michael album right now. Which is fire. Which is, which is pure fire. fire. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy Reason yeah. as a next place to go into something that's I appreciate thought provoking that. Yeah. And, and fucking dope. So, um, Good, good luck with the album and thank you for uh, coming by. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. TDE's own reason. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 